Welcome to That's What He Said, a respectfully irreverent podcast from the anxious, enthusiastic mind of full-time writer and part-time influencer, me, Emma Golden Miller. As a self-proclaimed open book, I started my blog, emmasthing.com, in 2010 so I could share my every random thought, story, and opinion about life with total strangers. But the blogosphere has changed over the years, so now I share all those thoughts, stories, and opinions on this podcast. Every week, you'll hear about what the hell I've been doing, stuff I'm enjoying, and deep thoughts on every topic under the sun, from relationships and career to health, fitness, fashion, and beyond. So let's fucking go. Howdy, howdy, howdy to you, and welcome back to That's What He Said. Check out the new intro. I've changed it a couple times now, but I really feel good about this one, you guys. I think it's going to stick because it really says everything that I have been trying to convey via the other intros I've tried. So I'm really glad you're here. Today is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. The main thrust of it in part three is um, my mother and I, surprise, surprise, she's the surprise guest. It's my mom and I talking about the book of the month for February. Carrie Soto is back. And I opened up my inbox and my DMs and the Facebook group to you guys to send in a thought or a comment about the book if you read it. And I got exactly one um, very well thought out comment. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm not a book podcast. We know this. This is something super new I'm trying. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with having a book of the month. I just... I guess really it's kind of selfish because A, it keeps me reading, but B, I plan to discuss the book of the month every month with my mom. And it's a really cute thing for us to be reading the same book at the same time and have a reason to get together and chit chat on the podcast. So anyway, you'll hear more about all that in the last segment. So let's go ahead and jump in and talk about what the hell I've been doing. So the biggest thing with last week, besides our house still being in fucking shambles from the mold remediation and foundation repair, if you follow me on Emma's thing, you probably have already seen by this point that I did a parody video about an influencer, if she were honest, giving a home tour because our home is a complete fucking shit show right now and it's driving me insane. But anyway... The biggest thing from last week is that I made a very scary for me decision in deciding to lean in really heavily to my weekly newsletter. I've had this newsletter for several years now. I don't even remember when I started it. And I started it on MailChimp. And I remember at the time, I, I feel like I started it when Serial, the original podcast, was out and their sponsor was MailChimp. And that's why I even knew about MailChimp. So I started it on MailChimp. And then last year, I moved it over to this other newsletter platform called Flowdesk because I just liked the flow of the entire platform a lot better. It was smoother. I could kind of have like a little bit more fun with it and what have you. But then Substack, I don't know how long Substack has been around, but I kind of sort of just recently found out about it. You know, I I knew about it because the Honestly 
podcast that I listened to by Barry Weiss, she has had a Substack newsletter since, you know, I mean, I mean, I've been following it for a long time, but I didn't really understand how much opportunity Substack provides to a writer like myself. And after sort of poking around and talking to a couple of fellow writer friends, I decided to change over to Substack. And I love Substack because this is not an advertisement, by the way. I think we all know at this point that I make no money off of this podcast. I really like Substack because it it just breathes so much life into your newsletter. It, I mean, it can do as much or as little as you want it to. And what's so amazing about it is that there's no limitation on how much you can write in your Substack newsletter. Whereas on MailChimp or Flowdesk or any of those other platforms, the email will cut off after a certain point because it can't fit it all into the email that was sent to the inbox. So you have to click out to go see the full thing. But with Substack, it just keeps going and going. Like it is like, you know, an infinite uh, place of writing. It, it can be a bottomless pit if you want it to be. And I saw how a couple of people were utilizing it, most especially my internet friend, Sarah Jacobson, who is behind the Substack and the Instagram, um, The Grand Apartment. And Sarah is a fellow writer. She is so gifted. And I've been signed up for her newsletter for, you know, a couple of months for sure. I can't remember exactly how long it's been. And I saw the way that Sarah was utilizing hers and including these pictures and like really using the space to write rather than how I've been doing my newsletters for a long time, which is basically just sending out a bunch of links. And, you know, it it kind of, this was just the perfect storm um, for me to make this decision and take this leap. Because as a lot of you know, I've had emmasthing.com, which started out as my blog since 2010. And its 13th anniversary is March 1st, which is next week. 13 years, you guys. And the whole reason that I started emmasthing.com was to write. At the time, I wasn't writing professionally. And I've always written and I've realized being out in the real world, especially that now more than ever, I needed some sort of creative outlet where I could, like I said in this new intro, I could share every single random thought or opinion or story that was happening to me on a space that was my own, i.e. emmasthing.com. And I did that for a really long time. Like I leaned so heavily on my blog. I was writing super consistently. There's tons of archives. I've moved platforms with my blog a couple times as well, which I think didn't do me any favors in keeping all of my content. Like a lot a lot of it is lost, which is really sad. But that's what I did with it. And then, you know, in 2017 when uh, like to know it was widely known, I you know, my main prerogative was getting signed up for that because I was like, oh my God, I can make some sort of money off of, you know, all of these things that I share on my blog that I don't, I don't get any ROI on as it is right now. And so then I kind of, you know, I was just throwing shit at the wall from 2017 up until 
I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess right now, I'm just trying to see what worked in terms of still writing, but also trying to make a little bit of money off of it with affiliate links and all of that. Um, and I realize that that's just not me. It's just not me. Like I've always been word heavy. I write for a living. That's what I care about the absolute most. And I wasn't doing that anymore. I haven't been doing that in a really long time. And after thinking about all of this and taking everything into consideration and realizing too that sadly blogs, they're not dead, but they're not doing great. Like they're not what they used to be when I started 13 years ago. They're not even what they were like five years ago. You know, everyone relies so heavily on the Instagram kind of apps and the TikTok kind of apps. And it's really quick information that you can scroll through really easily, mindlessly scroll through. And yeah, I mean, like sometimes you'll get a paid opportunity as an influencer to make some money for creating content. But if you're like me and I'm a nano influencer, that's not that's not really what it's about. And I'm thankful for every single last one of my followers. But it's like I've been beating myself up for the last couple of years trying to figure out how to best utilize my creativity and my writing and what feels the most natural to me and what feels the most fulfilling. Like... Am I fulfilled sharing long form stories on Instagram? No, not at all. But I'm also not super fulfilled doing that via the blog because I see my numbers on the blog. When I was in my heyday back in like 2012, 2013, 2014, I would get like at least a thousand reads on a blog post and that was amazing. Nowadays, kind of, unless I write like a tell-all blog post that's like super vulnerable people are not going to my blog they're go- like 300 people are going to view a post I wrote about you know uh the new outfits that I got to wear to the beach and that's a combination of that's not my audience but also I just don't think that my blog can do the kind of heavy lifting that I once could rely on it to do. And so last week, I hemmed and hawed about it for a while, but ultimately decided that I'm going to upgrade my newsletter so there can be paid subscribers and there can be free subscribers. And I was really fucking nervous. Like, you have to understand, as someone who constantly puts content out there, for people to react to, it is so nerve-wracking. Not like, I guess blatantly being like, hey, I'd really like if you threw some bones my way for all of this content that I provide you. I mean, it's hard out there for writers to make the type of living that people dream of unless you become like an incredible best-selling author. So we're, you know, always finding ways where we can, like I said, feel fulfilled with what we're doing and what we're writing, but also see some return on investment from it. So 
I it's a very simple model and I modeled it off of all these other people that I see on Stubsack and who I respect and I like what they've done. So the paid subscription for my weekly newsletter is $5 a month, which if you break it down, it's $1.25 every week. So it's like, you know, you're paying like $1.25 at a newsstand to pick up the MS Thing newsletter and read it and hopefully get some good information from it. Or you can opt to pay $40 up front for the year, which will get you obviously a year's worth of my newsletters, but it only costs you what eight months would. And, you know, this is a, this is a journey for me and I'm, I'm not going to switch to fully paid just yet because I, I want to, I want to prove to people, I want to show you guys the ones that are willing to upgrade to a paid subscription what you're paying for. And I am so fucking excited. Like I can't even tell you the amount of relief and joy and also of course anxiety I felt when I sent the newsletter announcing that there was gonna be this new upgrade to paid because it makes me so much more motivated and inspired to make sure that these weekly newsletters are more than worth your while. I want to write so much more. I want to give you essays. I want to give you funny stuff. I want to give you deep stuff. I want to give you random stuff. And I also want to talk to you about all the things that I'm into. And yes, it's an extension of the podcast. But the thing is, is I'm realizing, especially because when I do question boxes, Whenever I'm, I do an ask me anything, I get a lot of questions that people would know the answers to if they listen to the podcast. And I'm not vaulting them for that. Like it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't upset me because I can't let it. It's like people like what they like. And if they're not a podcast person, but they are an Instagram person, okay. And if they're not a podcast person, maybe they're a newsletter person. Like maybe they would be willing to pay to basically hear what you guys hear more or less I don't know Uh, that didn't really make a lot of sense because content's going to be different across all of my mediums but what I'm trying to say is that I think as a content creator the more mediums you have and more ways you have to get uh, content to your following and to your audience the better but you also kind of come to a point where you have to take a step back and ask yourself what's working and what isn't and so for me my blog is kind of dead in the water right now it's let's say it's like treading water it's not doing well with the tread though it probably needs like some arm floaties or something and Instagram is great but it's really quick surface level interactions and a lot of the time it does feel like screaming into an abyss of 13,000 quote-unquote followers even though I'm sure it's really only like 1,500 who are actually plugged in a lot of the time you know so my newsletter is going to become a place where I can truly gather all of my thoughts and content the entire week and then on Friday dump it all on you and If you are not subscribed to the newsletter yet, like as a free member, 
definitely do that or at least check out the Substack link in the show notes to read some of my past free newsletters so you can kind of get an idea of where I'm going with everything and if you are already subscribed and you are willing to upgrade to paid I just can't thank you enough it means a lot it does give me validation and I'm just so so pumped to see where I can take this newsletter and what kind of exclusive content I can offer the people who are willing to go all in. So that was my big thing of the week last week. And it took up a lot of brain space. So by the time the weekend rolled around, I was ready. And on Friday night, I had bought Zach and I tickets to go to the Dallas Symphony because they were doing a John Williams tribute night. And if you're not familiar with who John Williams is, he is maybe the greatest composer of our generation. Maybe not our generation, but like our parents' generation or maybe the generation before our parents. (laughs) He's old. He's 91. Um, But he has composed the scores for some of the biggest movies of all time, including E.T., Jurassic Park, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Harry Potter. And those are just to name like some really big ones. There are way more. And I was tipped off by my dental hygienist, no shit, that this was happening at the symphony. And so I, as soon as she told me that, I bought tickets like on the spot. So um, Zach and I got really dolled up to go to the symphony and it was it was wonderful. Like it was just such a great way to get out of the house and do something besides just going to dinner and having drinks because, you know, that's like our MO. We do that shit all the time. And we ate dinner beforehand at this sushi restaurant that's right across the street from the symphony called Musume. I think that's how you say it. And I'm not going to go on because I don't know if anyone's noticed, but like I've stopped going into like severe detail about Dallas things, even though I know a lot of you liked it. A lot of you also were like, "Mm, I could do without it. And I realized that it doesn't really it doesn't really add much um, when I'm describing this stuff to you. So just talking in generalities, this area where the symphony is, it's like one of those areas that there's not a lot of stuff around. And so the restaurants that are there can kind of get away with murder because they know that people are going to come to them out of convenience and not really push back on pricing or, you know, how good the food is or not because it's just so convenient to be across the street from the show you're going to see. And Musume is definitely that. We got a horrible table. We got a table that was literally right by the the wait staff's little kind of hangout area in the back and right off the kitchen. So that was not cute. And, you know, we didn't get very much. We got like two rolls, one gyoza appetizer and something else I can't even. Oh, hamachi, um, just some yellowtail hamachi. And all of it was good. None of it was incredibly explosively amazing. And it was so, so fucking expensive. Like, it was just one of those situations where I was like, that did not taste like the money it cost. And that is really sad. But oh, well, I guess we know to never do this again when we come back to the symphony. Um, So anyway, we had really good seats. And it was an incredible show. There were two 
guys behind us who were teenagers. And I'm going to say they definitely could drive. So they were like 16 or 17. And by the looks of them, they were just very like, you would never expect them to be friends, which was amazing. And they were so funny behind us the entire time. Like the way that they were talking about the show. And then at one point, one of the guys was like, see, this is what cool people do on Friday nights. And just kind of like hyping themselves up about being 17 and at the symphony on a Friday night instead of like at a house party. It was incredible. Um, And they played, Zach and I had some complaints about the set list. And it's just like, it's hard because you when you buy tickets to something like that, it's like you want them to play all the hits. That's why you're there, you know? But I also get that they want to do some deep cuts on, you know, not as well-known movies and and stuff like that. So that was fine. Do I wish they had played more than just one Harry Potter song? Yes, of course I do. But the one that they did play was like over four minutes and it was so magical. Like it just transported me to that time in my life when I was absolutely fucking obsessed and all of the magic of Harry Potter lived within me and could be ignited really easily. I mean, y'all, I was such a Harry Potter freak that I legitimately, when it would get cold outside, the way that I would celebrate is I would drive to school in my Mercury Cougar with the windows down with the Harry Potter soundtrack blaring. Like that is how I pulled up. And so hearing it, you know, performed by the symphony was just once in a lifetime, just absolutely everything I could have ever dreamt of. And I cried the entire time. No shit. And something that I have to mention is that nowhere on the set list did they say that they were going to play any Star Wars. And Zach was getting like increasingly more and more upset to the point where he was starting to get pissed off. He was like, the closer it got to the end of the set list, he was like, no way. There's no fucking way that they're not going to play Star Wars. We did not pay for these tickets and come here on a John Williams tribute night to not get Star Wars. That's, That's insane. That's literally ludicrous. Like, they can't get away with that. And he was, oh, he was just so, so mad. And so they played the last song, which was from the E.T. score, And they got a standing ovation and it was really awkward because everyone's standing and clapping and then the composer's like, oh, actually, I lied. We do have one more. And then they played Star Wars. Like they kind of pulled a prank like it was they were being jokesters. And I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, you pay all this money to go have a nice evening. And this is not the type of tribute show that happens all the time. And so people are very excited. And John Williams is very well known. And I don't know if it's right for them to have pulled something like that. You know, I mean, there could have been people who were like Zach who were getting like angrier and angrier for no reason. They didn't have to be if they had just been honest and put it on the set list. So I don't know. I'm just like. You know, it wasn't a band. This isn't like a casual rock show where, you know, everyone's like dancing in the crowd, drinking, whatever. 
and they're like oh, just kidding guys we're gonna play our biggest song for you last you know I don't know I just I kind of been going back and forth on that with my feelings about it and Zach has too so anyway that was our Friday night and it was lovely and then Saturday Zach had some serious work to get done and I figured I could get some work done too so we packed up the dogs in the car and all of us went to Zach's office and worked there for like three hours that was the majority of our Saturday and we got home around 4 30 and we decided to pour some afternoon beers and watch a movie at home in the middle of the day which is something we do not do and it was really really fun and just relaxing great and then we had a late night dinner at our favorite Tex-Mex place in Dallas called Mia's and even though we got a shitty table again it was like a weekend of shitty tables we were sat right by the kitchen again but it was fantastic and just like you know a productive good Saturday and then Sunday we met up with Zach's best friend who's still in town and we had lunch at taco joint which by the way if you are dallas local it is they have my favorite queso in the entire dallas area and i've tried a lot of queso it is just perfect it's it's perfect i don't know what they do to it to make it so perfect but i could fucking drink that shit with a straw and then we went to top golf which it was very random. His friend invited us to do this. And we were like, yeah. And I realized when his friend invited us, I've only been to Top Golf one time. And that was in 2018 with these, these, this asshole that I was dating who like, I don't, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. But I did really poorly. And I mean, I always do pretty poorly with sports in general. It's very weird. Like I can work out like nobody's business and I'll do a burpee and I'll try box jump and all that shit but hand-eye coordination like if you give me a ball it's gonna be really ugly and especially if you give me a stick and a ball fuck no so I said yes even though I was very nervous but I was like this is gonna be different because I love his best friend his best friend loves me and he's so nice and Zach is obviously the best and so patient and he's my husband. He's not going to make me feel like a fucking loser like the last time I went to Top Golf. And it was really fun. I did pretty fucking horrible. You guys, I golf is so fucking hard. It's so hard, especially for someone like me how I just said I don't have hand-eye coordination and I definitely don't have aim. Making contact with the ball was honestly my first step. And I am proud to say, though, that during the time we were there, I got two hits that were amazing, like so smooth. They went relatively far given the player and her technique, and it felt incredible. Like, I get how it could become addicting, but you know, in general, I'm not, I don't like doing things that I'm not good at. So I'm sure that goes for everyone, (laughs) but I would love to go back and hit and hit and hit and hit. So maybe we'll take that up as a hobby. I don't know, but regardless, it was a really fun Sunday and we just ordered food in, 
on Sunday night. And that was the end of our weekend. And this episode is already almost at 30 minutes. And I told you it was going to be short. Oh my God. Why do I say that? Why do I keep saying that? I just need to fucking stop saying that to you guys. All right. Let's talk about what I've been reading, watching, and listening to. So I am still reading The Perfect Couple by Elin Hildebrand, and I don't really have any updates there. I'm still reading it. I'm still enjoying it. We are watching Bad Sisters, and we have about three episodes left, and I'm just on total pins and needles. I cannot wait to see. I can't wait to see how this is going to happen. I just have no idea, but I just love the show. It's such good writing. All the actors are incredible. And I'm very excited to wrap it up. I don't know what will start after that, but I've heard a lot of good things about Poker Face. And so that could possibly be our next series that we start on. And obviously, we're all caught up with The Last of Us. This last week's episode was, you know, just pulls out the heartstrings, man, and really left us on a cliffhanger there. Really big cliffhanger. Uh... Don't know what the fuck is going on with that, so guess I'll have to tune in this coming week. And then the other thing that we started watching on Netflix is called Breakpoint, and it's all about tennis and all of the different um, tournaments that happen throughout the year, all of the grand slams, if you will, and they're highlighting uh, a couple of different players every episode, just like the top young players in the world right now kind of trying to track who's going to finally be able to stump the last generation of great players who are still sweeping all of these slams. And obviously, after reading Carrie Soto, I could not be more interested in watching this realistic of a tennis documentary. And I just keep looking at Zach throughout it and being like, oh my God, yeah, Carrie Soto did the same thing. Like she's a real person. What the fuck? It's really, really good though. I highly recommend it. If you like sports documentaries, it's really well done. And then the movie that Zach and I watched on Saturday during our afternoon movie delight was Big Eyes. And it's from 2014. It is an old movie, almost 10 years old. It stars Amy Adams and Christoph Waltz. And it's a real story about these, it's a real story about this artist who marries a man who takes credit for all of her work. And she lets it happen because this is during the 60s when women didn't have as prominent of a voice and he gaslights her and convinces her that no one's going to care about her art if they know a woman did it so and he is becomes insanely famous insanely wealthy and it's real the whole thing actually happened um and I would say that the story itself is a lot more interesting than the movie I just I don't think no one's gonna care this is such an old movie but whatever I just feel like it wasn't cast right like I just don't think that Amy Adams and Christoph Waltz were it but I know that at the time when it came out it was very popular and very highly or critically acclaimed and definitely nominated for a bunch of awards and probably won some anyway yeah I mean do with that what you will we watch big eyes (laughs) and then for what I'm listening to So 
I'll be really straight up with you guys. I don't religiously listen to Kate Kennedy's Be There in Five podcast. I follow it, it, all of her episodes download, but it is a very long form podcast, very long. Like all of her episodes are at least two hours. And I have to be in the right place at the right time and the right setting. Like, you know, I'm not, I don't usually have two hours of my undivided attention to give to something like that. And I'm very like, there are podcasts that you put on in the background and then there are podcasts that you tune in to hear their every word. And Kate's is the latter. So I'm just very calculated about when I do listen and sometimes I'll be a ton of episodes behind but what I can say is Kate's most recent podcast where she talks about how they're pregnant now but all of her thoughts about the indecisiveness of wanting kids and wanting to get pregnant and her whole series of uh, childless millennial and now she's millennial with child I just really can't recommend all of that series enough. I mean, Kate is so eloquent. She's so fucking articulate. She's so good at talking. <laughs> and, you know, anytime that I start to record an episode, I'm like, God, if, if I sound like one-tenth as good as she does, I'm going in the right direction. But she just is a very introspective person who thinks and feels very deeply and she leaves no stone unturned when she is talking about really whatever the topic is and she goes over all the nuances and as someone who is Kate's age I don't I think that Kate's I think Kate's my age I think she's like 35 or 36 who herself has struggled with the, the idea of wanting kids and finally coming to the conclusion that I do and that we are going to try to do that. It just, everything that she has to say around the topic speaks to me and I can only hope that when my time comes and I talk to you guys openly about my own pregnancy that I can be as eloquent and thoughtful as her while still remaining true to myself and sharing my own personal experience. I just, she's just so fucking inspiring. And I would say the biggest thing that I've taken away from her child, childless millennial series, and especially her most recent episode, is that everything nowadays seems to be like that Mark Mason thing about if, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. And Kate had the balls to say, I don't agree with that. And I am now doubling up on her balls. So we have quadruple balls and saying, I also don't agree with that. I don't at all, especially when you're a person with anxiety and anxiety disorder. Shit is sometimes not that black and white. And especially when it comes to having kids. So as someone who, as someone who, has never not wanted kids, but also has never been like, oh, I was born to be a mom. I want a, a thousand percent. I want kids. I just feel so seen and understood by her. So if you relate to anything that I just said, definitely listen 
to the Be There in Five podcast and especially Kate's latest podcast. All right, with all that said, let's go ahead and hit play on the pre-recorded conversation between Ellen and I about the book, Carrie Soto is Back. We share our thoughts, our feelings. She may even actually change my point of view on some things. It's a good conversation and I really hope that you guys enjoy. This is me experimenting and I will say right off the bat that it hasn't gone well. I told you guys that I might have a special guest with us today and lo and behold she pulled through she made it she's here in the studio everyone give a big warm welcome to Ellen Golden so you know I have said this a few times whether it was my newsletter or Instagram or whatever but my mom is a bookworm and she always has been. I would love to know how many words she can read in a minute because this woman finishes a book a day easily. It's like no skin off her back to do that. And that also sounds like I have nothing else to do with my life. So if I had to finish it in a day, I would, but I don't have to. You don't have to defend that, but I, feel I get like it. I feel like I need to. No, I... <sighs> You read so fast. I do read fast. So, like, you're able to incorporate that in your day in life. Oh, can we back up a second? Oh, sure. I thought I was not just a special guest, but I thought we were going to try to do this once a month. Yeah, we uh, we are. Oh, we're okay. going to uh, operative word be try. Okay. Um, but I was just teasing. I was teasing. Oh, you were teasing the intro. Correct. Thank you. I was teasing my guests. You know, last week. Uh, oh, I might have a special guest, and I wanted them to wonder. And now here you are. You're the sp- my mom is my special guest. So anyway, as I was saying, Ellen is an avid reader. And so last time I was over here and she was recommending all these books to me, I was like, you know, we should do a book of the month club thing on my podcast and you should be my co-host for those episodes. I do just want to put out there that... It's very difficult to do Book of the Month Club when you don't have participants. And I put out there for anyone who has read Carrie Soto's back or read it specifically for this podcast to send in their thoughts. And I got exactly one thought sent in to me, um, like a well-formed, long discussion thought. So not sure how this is going to go. Just bear with us. So I'm going to go ahead and start. (sighs) I, first of all, I love Taylor Jenkins' read as an author. I don't think you've ever read any of her books before. Evelyn Hugo. You read Evelyn Hugo? Yeah. When? Long time ago. What? Yeah. When did it come out? I can't remember, but you haven't read it? No, that's like the first Taylor Jenkins' read book I I read. Did you like it? Oh, yeah. Okay, interesting. You didn't like it? I wish you guys, I, we should be filming this because my face and my mom is very confused right now. Um, no, I absolutely loved Evelyn Hugo. Like, I I remember I finished it one weeknight when I was in Zach's office and I was blubbering, crying on the couch. I feel like that might have been the first one I discovered by her. And then she wrote Daisy. Yeah, Daisy Jones and the Six. And that's being, it's already been made into a TV movie. Yeah, I haven't read that. And I didn't want to read it because I wasn't. <laughs> The summation of the uh, topic, yeah. the subject matter didn't interest me. Yeah, And then there's this current one we're going to discuss. But then there's also Malibu Rising. Oh, right. That might have been before before Evelyn. I don't know, honey. I didn't look up I think it dates. was. 
I think it was before. And also, Carrie Soto makes an appearance in Malibu Rising. Yes. So there's like a tie there. So it definitely was before we have established that. She makes, I think she makes a, a cameo on that and also in Daisy Jones and the Six. And I will agree with you, I have no interest in reading Daisy Jones and the Six. Like, I'm kind of over the whole, like, oh, we're musicians falling in love right. type of thing. Yeah. I don't even, I probably won't watch the show. Anyway, so I loved Evelyn Hugo, so I was very excited about this book. And just really quick, high level, my first reactions were the first third of the book was hard for me to get into because there wasn't a lot of plot going on. I understand that they kind of had to build up, they, that Taylor had to build up her backstory a little bit and I did even though the book was about a tennis player for some reason I didn't expect to be to be so much about tennis like this the specifics of tennis and all the jargon so that kind of took me a second but then once I got into it I really really liked it a lot and I loved how her character evolved and I loved the ending and all of it um Ellen how do you feel about the book let me preface what I'm gonna say with an something I have to share with your audience. I have a rule when it comes to reading books, because I've read so many, that if I'm not engaged by page 75, I just give myself permission to put it aside, gift it to someone, or throw it in the trash. That's really how I feel. So for me, this was an exercise to fulfill my commitment to you to read this book, but I don't want to, I'm not, I know the author's not going to hear my analyzation. No, she's not. I feel really bad that I have to say I did not care for this book at all, that if it wasn't required for me to have read the whole thing, I would have probably tossed it at 50 pages. Wow. That's how I felt. I, I didn't feel she built up the backstory that much. I didn't feel there was an arc to most of the characters in the book you know what I know I actually do agree with you on that but watch you guys are going to hear me completely change my opinion <laughs> well I'm not here to have you change it I'm just no, no, no but this is how I felt yeah it was to me it was very formulaic mm-hmm. I'm not a huge chick lit kind of reader and it's not exactly chick lit it's more like a beach read but I'd have to be pretty bored to even continue reading that at the beach that's how I felt okay I think that if you like tennis and you can understand some Spanish because there's a lot in it, mm-hmm. and uh, or you speak it, and um, I guess those were those would be the two qualifications for reading the book because I don't think that Carrie was fleshed out enough. Mm-hmm. I think there was another player who I won't I won't say anything that I would have been more interested in you reading. Can say about what her. do you want to say, Nikki? Nikki I thought, Chan. I mean, like she was captivating even for the few moments she was yeah. in. I'm like, what is her deal? Yeah, the way she spoke. Yes. Not even sure I was crazy about the love interest that much. Yes. And I sort of knew where it was going to go with Bo, with her father, not so much Nikki. And I felt, should I just keep going to the very end? Oh, when she got to the end of the book, I didn't think it ended well. I felt like she transitioned from all this stuff. And somewhere in there, Carrie had had a like a switch up in her mindset. But it happened so it wasn't fluid. It was almost like, I'll stick these three sentences in, and then we're going to go from there, and it's over. Mm. And I was very like, what? You didn't even give me anything that really led up to that, because everything that's gone on before, 
it was more about the game and not really her, it was about her mental state and her life, but to be 37 Mm -hmm. and still floundering with love or relationships, you could see her focus was, I'm an athlete, Mm -hmm. I'm all about the game, Mm -hmm. my mind's got to be on that, I have to set everything else aside, and I just, I wasn't, I didn't think it was compelling. And, oh, let me say some other, one other thing. I have another thing. This is just my like. If you have a book that's all quotation marks and people speaking, and oh. there's very little narrative, you, you're going to lose me right up front. I love narrative. I like background. I like all of that description. description. And that's what, and like. And like int- creating the world in right, your mind. Right, an intelligent description. So it sucks you in and you're like, oh, Wow. You know, this person is really writing. Yeah. That's what I like. So this book is more conversation to me mm-hmm. and very little narrative. Okay. Here and there. It's 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 dispersed throughout, but it's not like a straight narrative. Yeah. Does all of that make sense to oh, you? Oh, yeah. All of it makes now, total sense. did I sense. change your mind? <laughs> so I, w- um, I don't know if, like, changing my mind is the right way to put it, but I totally see where you're coming from, and I do agree with you. Like... I think I'm not used to, I'm getting back into reading and you are such an avid reader that, you know, you have your opinions formed, you know what you like, you know what you don't like. Like if something is going to be formulaic, you can tell pretty quickly off the bat. I'm not as much like that, especially because I'm just getting back into it. I'm even thinking like when I watch shows like mysteries and stuff, my friends will be like, oh, this is so obvious. And I can never, I never know who did it or like where the story is going. I can't guess that type of stuff. So for me, from my perspective, I feel like Taylor kept me on the edge of my seat in terms of wondering, is Carrie actually going to pull this off and win? Or is it going to be like, she has a come to Jesus and is like, nothing, this doesn't matter as much as I thought. And Nikki Chan wins and she bows out. I really didn't know. Like, I even, like, was reading it, and I turned to Zach, and I was like, I know you know nothing about this book, but what do you think is going to happen? Like, I'm, you know, I don't know. So, but you're right. Um, You're right about, she, she actually really didn't give that much backstory. So I don't really know, I guess, what the first one third of the book was about until they, like, really got into shit. But it's like, she obviously was so affected by her mother's death, but they never really got into all of that. Right. And like the psyche and the emotions and the trauma, it was just like, yeah, her mother died and it fucked her up. And that's why she is the way that she is, period. So that you're right. Like she relied so much on dialogue um, that. And, you know, I feel like she barely even touched on how her and Bo Huntley had a fling. It's like, oh, they had a fling. And then suddenly, oh, God, like the one guy that could have made her change her mind about everything is back and they're, you know, practicing together I I mean yeah (laughs) I see your points all right well I know when I said the thing about the Spanish in the book your eyebrows went up I'm not insulting anybody I'm saying there is quite a bit of Spanish in there she does explain the Spanish because her her dad is Spanish and she translates for you but I don't know why that was such a to me it was like maybe a little heavy-handed vehicle that I didn't quite get why she needed that as part of the story I don't know that it added to it oh my Did it add to it for you? No, Mama, this is absolutely amazing because the one person who wrote in about the book 
that was what she had to say. But I'm going to read you what she said, because I mean, again, like I didn't think of this. I didn't see it from this perspective. And you literally just said what this girl wrote in about. Okay, so this girl wrote in and she said, I read it based on your recommendation. And I have to say that while the story was okay, I really disliked how the author portrayed her Latino, Latina, Latinx main characters. Then I learned that it's actually been a controversy and that Taylor Jenkins Reid has done it before in other books just as poorly. I think she could have made Carrie white and it would have been fine. Reid lacks the lived experience to really understand how to make Carrie more dimensional in that realm. So Carrie just sort of fell flat. Um, Making her Latina did nothing for her character when it actually could have been really compelling. I get that authors want to not be limited by their own experience by writing ethnic characters, even queer characters. Then why do it? I don't know. If you don't have the experience of it. Right, right, right. Um, When you occupy neither of those communities, I think that there's like some spelling. Um, Just make those aspects seem... Oh, when you you don't occupy either of those communities, it makes those aspects seem superficial. The story could have existed just the same if Carrie were white, and that's kind of the crux of the problem, just my two cents. I agree with all that. Yeah, I mean, I read that, and I was like, you know... She clearly this woman is Latina, Latinx, and I wouldn't have thought to think of it from that perspective. So I love that she like opened my eyes to that. But she's so right. It's like it's I feel like she kind of just wrote that Carrie was Latina for the sake of writing or, or like saying that she was Latina. But she didn't really. It's like her honoring that was her like throwing in the Spanish but there was nothing really to like to back it up. Like she didn't talk about any other cultural aspect of her being Latina and growing up that way. And like the different effects it had on her, the, any of the struggles that she might have. Like, I thought that was a really good point And you just validated it. Yeah. And I want to jump back to where you said her come to Jesus moment. That's what I meant when I said several paragraphs back um, that... I just did the wrap up was so abrupt on all that. She didn't really have a deep thought out, explained, come to Jesus moment. Right. It just jumped to me. Yeah. And I was like, I I don't like when books do that. Yeah, because it feels like it feels like they're um, uh, what's the word? Not like selling out. They're phoning it in. They're phoning it in. And I I or they couldn't figure out how to do it. So they phoned it in. Right. Like I, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's very formulaic to have the dad who was her coach die. And then as soon as he dies, suddenly she understands that maybe tennis is the meeting of life and everything that he's been trying to tell her, like, I don't care if you win. I just want you to have fun and like play the game and play beautifully. That's all I care about. Finally made sense to her. But I mean, but even that wasn't explained with the depth that would move you. Right. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like you just had to put that together. Yes, but it just, it wasn't moving. It didn't, it wasn't like, oh, she's going to, a light bulb's going to go off now. It didn't really reach that kind of crescendo to me. Right. So overall, I guess what I'm saying is it wasn't the kind of book that I'm interested in. I think in conclusion for me, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it, but I'm realizing talking to you and having even like the one person who submitted something whatever she said, I'm realizing that I enjoyed it very much on a surface level. Um, and I'm deeper than that. And I'm smarter than that. So it wasn't it wasn't Evelyn Hugo. I'll say that. 
Evelyn Hugo was amazing. Um, and this doesn't hold a flame. I went on Amazon just to see how many people had read the book and reviewed it. It was over 17,000. Out of 17,000 people, it there were 58% that gave it five stars. Okay. I'm stunned. I'm stunned because I'd probably give it two. Okay. For writing it and trying. <laughs> oh, I feel so bad. Den- no, don't. I feel bad denigrating this person, but honestly. You're not denigrating. Mama, mama, people write books. People have book clubs literally to discuss whether or not they like the book. You don't know her personally. We're just talking. I don't know if I'd pick up another book from her, even if 17,000 people gave it four or five stars. I just don't think I'm interested. I think that's more than fair, and you shouldn't beat yourself up about that. That's not what this is about. Um, I also, going back to what you said about Nikki Chan, her competitor. If she writes about Nikki, I'd probably read that (laughs) book. Let me me correct my last statement. I think, I wonder if the book would have been much more compelling if she had done a back and forth between Carrie and Nikki. Like, every other chapter, it's like from their point of view leading up to the championship. That would have been a good spin. Yeah. For us. I don't know if everybody else listening would agree with that. Right. I don't want to try to rewrite her book. I'm just telling you what I think based on what I read. And... I think you're so right. I mean, you've really... You've really opened my eyes today. Well... I'm, I'm serious. You really have. I don't know what to say to that. Don't open your eyes or you'll spoil the illusion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, we could get into bigger messaging stuff. Like, I'm... you know, is it like, how did you think of how obsessed Carrie was with winning and is it okay for like a man to be really obsessed and aggressive about it but it's not okay I don't want to do blah, blah, I, blah. my book club doesn't have questions like that okay. it's more about it's more about us just discussing how we felt did you like it did you not in an intelligent as intelligent as it can be manner and just seeing how your listeners respond to it yeah yeah and that's it I wish more people had written in but you know one is the loneliest number so yeah the fact that not really anyone participated probably is because this is not a book podcast and I don't know what the hell I'm doing but also maybe it's because of the book I don't know so I'm handing it off to Ellen this time we and she's going to choose what the February no sorry March book of the month is so do you already have something in mind Ellen I'm thinking about it there's lots of things that are on my reading list and I have to decide what I think will captivate my imagination and hold me past 75 pages because I don't want to repeat this mistake and also that you would like so I'm I'm going to mull it over I don't have to make a decision today no you don't and we don't have to do it till the end of March correct correct I do want to say though that I think it's very illuminating to hear how I started out loving the book and then like as soon as I sat down with someone else who had a different perspective I pretty much changed mine right away I don't really know what that says about me probably that I'm just like insecure when it comes to breaking down books and analyzing them but I'm excited for this because it's gonna make me it's gonna challenge my POV on things and I think that's really fun I think it says you're silly putty and you're very pliable. No, I don't mean that. No, no. I don't mean that. Oh, my God. No, 
Honey, I've been reading way, I mean, I'm almost twice your age. I've been reading way longer than you have. And like you said, I have my certain genres and my certain expectations for writing styles and how it, it elevates the story, etc. And, you know, a lot of people don't like narrative. They yeah. don't want to get bogged down in all those details. They just want it light and airy and let's get through it. And this is entertaining. Right, and right. I've read some chick lit that is very elevated, even, you know, and but it still has narrative in it. Right. And you've got to have a background on people. And like I said, I just don't think there was any kind of arc on her personality. I think that there was an arc, but I think that it... I w- missed it. I, I think that it was an arc that Taylor, whether she realized it or not, put on her reader to kind of build for themselves. Like, I found myself... I mean, I think I maybe came into this thinking it was better than it was or more like formed than it was because I made up like a lot of my own stories about Carrie in my mind. And, you know, obviously like a big thing with reading and all of that is using your imagination and doing that. But sitting here talking to you, it's making me realize that I really didn't have much to go off of. And I just, like, immediately bought into the story. Even the way that she succumbed to her quote-unquote feelings for Bo. Bo. Yeah. It didn't read right. It, it wasn't, didn't. You're right. There was no buildup. There wasn't anything like, There oh, was intention. Nothing. Yeah, but I think that, like, was I, her character. Like, she was so... She just, like, restricted herself so much and suppressed so much that, like... But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like, since we are reading from first person, it would be nice if Taylor had let us in a little bit more about if she was feeling this, like, crazy sexual tension with Bo. But it doesn't sound like she was. No, I know. She just sort of tumbled into it and said, oh, that was good. Yeah, no, I agree. And I also, can I just say, this is probably sophomoric of me, but is that the right word? Yes. Okay. I didn't appreciate that once they did hook up, we didn't get even one sex scene. Yeah, there weren't any sex scenes. I'm not, like, you have to give me one sex scene at least. You know what? I think that's the crux of all this. Her tennis and her sex life, there wasn't any kind of passion, really, in either one of them. It was very mechanical feeling and sounding the way it was portrayed. Yes. Yes. Agreed. All right. Well, that wraps up our first attempt at reading a book every month and talking about it hopefully next time we'll hear from more of you guys and if we don't that's fine this has been really fun for me to sit here and talk to my mom about a book that we both read and I will keep you posted via that's what he said Instagram page on the book that Ellen chooses for March so definitely be sure to keep your eyes peeled I guess I'll have to choose it soon because some people are slower readers than others and you might need the whole month yeah I didn't think about that yes I am now yeah like you'll have it chosen by March 1st sounds good okay thank you guys so much for listening and thank you to that one listener who wrote in that was such an amazing thing to bring up and I really appreciate it as do I okay uh I will talk to you guys next week Bye.